This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed. Thanks for joining me once again. We'll hear this week first from Gangbusters. Their December 11th, 1948 episode titled The Case of the Thornberry Brothers. After that, it's The Adventures of Michael Shane and The Case of the Purloined Corpse, his episode from October 9th, 1948. Now, Gangbusters, presented in cooperation with police and federal law enforcement departments throughout the United States, the only national program that brings you authentic police case history. Gangbusters has asked the Honorable Homer Casey, former sheriff of McLennan County, Texas, to narrate by proxy tonight's case. Thank you, and good evening, Gangbusters listeners. Let's start tonight's case in a small town in the ranch country of Colorado a few years ago. It was late on a Saturday night, and most of the ranch hands in for entertainment had headed home. But in front of a small house just off the square, a man dressed in boots and Levi's leaned against a streetlight, smoking a cigarette. Finally, he threw the cigarette into the street and walked up the front porch. Waiting all night. Come on, will you? Yes, who is it? Me, Randall, open up. Oh, okay. He ain't here. How many times do I have to tell you? But where is he? How should I know where he is? He said he was coming here. Listen, what your brother says and what he does are two different things. You ought to know that by now. Okay, if you see Obi, tell him I went back to Tur's cabin. I went back to get some sleep. If I see him, I'll tell him. Good night. Don't forget, it's important. Good night. Who was it, Randall again? <laughs> yeah, it was Randall again. Why didn't he go home to sleep? That's where I sent him. Some brother I got me. Follows me around like a beagle doll. Ah, let's forget about your brother. Huh, Obi? Sure, baby. Come on. Sit down. Sure, baby. Nice and comfortable. Yeah. Give me a kiss, Obi. How about it, May? Suppose we forget Randall, you and me. We're starting traveling right now. No, honey. That wouldn't be any good. Why wouldn't it? Be swell. Oh, you wouldn't want me to get mixed up in your business now, would you? You wouldn't want me to get to involved in anything. No, no. I guess it wouldn't. Wouldn't be fair. So, like I was saying, you just go out with Randall and do what you have to do. I'll be sitting and waiting for you to come back. There's nothing else for me to do. Just sit and wait. Oh, no. It ain't that bad, May. This ain't such a bad time. What's good about it? Well, I got an idea. What, honey? Home. I'd just like to go back to Texas. You'd have plenty to do that. You mean you'd send me? Sure, I'd send you. Take a little visit, you come back here to Colorado. Then everything's okay. Oh, but visits take money. Well, I got money. I need money for clothes and everything. If I'm going to visit home, i got to have good clothes. Well, you got pretty good clothes, haven't you? Yeah, but, you know, there's all kind of expenses. 
How much uh, you think you'll need me? Oh, I don't know, honey. Five or six hundred. Well, we can't low ourselves right now. Randall and me, we only have about uh, four hundred altogether. We ain't been out on the job in a couple of weeks. Well, I guess four hundred will have to do. Uh, but, but may I? All right. It's perfectly all right, honey. I'm sure I can get by on four hundred. That is, if it's okay with Randall. Look, we don't have to worry none about Randall. I carry the money. I always have. Oh, baby. You're a darling. A real darling. Frank Henderson. Yeah? Uh, telephone. In the booth there. Who is it? Long distance. Colorado. Some town out there. Okay. Colorado. If she... Hello? Frank, darling? I thought I told you not to waste any more dough on long-distance calls, May. Frank, honey, I'm coming back. I'll be there in Waco the day after tomorrow. Hey, now, let's get something straight, baby. If I gotta pay your way, you stay up there. Oh, I got my way paid all right and plenty to spare. Yeah? Who's the chump? A guy named Obi Thronberry. Will you meet me at the train, honey? You know where to find me. I'll see you when you get in. I said I'll see you when you get here. All right, honey. I love you. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, but every cent you got to give her. Will you shut up about it, Randall? Half of it was my dough. You could have thought of that. Listen, brother, no, brother. I'd just as soon throw you out of this car as look at you. Okay. And to top it off, we got to put our guns in soak to buy gas. I made. told you to shut up. Well, okay. What happens now? We got no money. We got no guns. What happens? I'll tell you what happens. Yeah, you tell me. I heard some talk about an old sheep herder lives out there near Hayden. What do we want with a sheep herder? He gets good pay every month. He ain't spent a cent of it in years. He must have a couple of thousand around his shack. This where'd you hear all this? I heard it. And he's got guns. Well, that's something we can use, all right. How'd you figure on handling? Easy enough. We start out friendly. We ask if he knows of any work around. Uh-huh. Uh, how much money you say he's got? A couple of thousand. Okay. Now, listen. I want my half plus the 200 of mine you gave to me. We'll see. We'll see nothing. I get it or nothing do. Now, listen, Rand. You get what I want to give you. You understand that? I get what's mine. In a minute, I'll stop the car and let you know what is yours. Okay, go on. Find the sheep herd. Talk about it later. Car's kind of heated over. We were wondering if you could uh, spare some water from your well. Yeah, help yourself. Uh, the only thing is, we ain't got a thing to carry the water in. No, you ain't, huh? Nope. Well, there's a bucket inside you can use. Come ahead. Let's blind. Go on in, Stacy. Yes, thank you. There's the bucket hanging. Okay, I'll get it. Yeah. You boys from around here? 
No, we're Texans. Oh. Texans. Yeah, we're looking for work. You won't find much work in this part of Colorado. You don't know any of your friends can use a couple of hands. Sheep men don't have no friends. Rather, a sheep men don't want no friends. Well, you got your bucket, get your water, and don't forget to bring the bucket back. Yeah, we'll bring back. Thank you. Grab him. Hey, what's I, it? I got Turn me loose. Turn me loose. Get up, old man. Rotten good-for-nothing prairie dogs. Shut up. Ah, <clears throat> you shut up. All right, listen to me, old man. Where's your money? You ain't got no money. You got thousands. Let me go. Hold still. Where's your money? I got no money except what's in my pocket. Well, let's see what's in your pocket. You stay out of there. I'll tell you to hold still. Ah, here it is. How much? How much is it? Twenty. Forty dollars. Where do you keep it, old man? It's all I got. Sit him down over there. Come on, old man. Come on. Turn me loose. You turn me loose, will you? Now sit down. There's some rope over there. Get it. Yeah, okay. I'll get the rope. Now listen to me, old man. Where's your money? You got it. The real money. Where'd you hide it? I ain't got no more. Oh, you ain't. This rope you wanted? Hey, what do you want to knock him out for? Don't ask me questions. Get him tied up. And we get what we came for. Map says stay on 40, and it takes us right into Salt Lake, Obi. I don't think I want to go to no Utah. No? Where do you want to go? Back to the tourist camp. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. Might be a wire there for me, saying whether she got home okay. She got home okay. She could get any place on $400. We're going back to the tourist camp, Randall. Honest to... We tie up that old man and leave him to die, we'll get 40 bucks and an old rifle. You gotta see if there's a telegram, and the thing we should be doing is getting out of Colorado as fast as we can. We'll get out, don't you worry about it. What else is there to worry about? Now listen, Randall, I told you not to give me no trouble. Now don't. How could I give you any more trouble than we got? Go on, get your telegram. Then let's get out of this state while we still can. Well, gangbusters listeners. These brutal killers, the Throneberry brothers, felt secure on the assumption that they left no clues for the authorities. But when they left their victim to die, the most important clue of all they took with them. Now back to Gangbusters. Here again is the narrator of tonight's case, Sheriff Homer Casey of Waco, Texas. As I was saying, Obie and Randall Throneberry killed and robbed a helpless sheep herder in Route County, Colorado. By the time the crime was discovered and the alarm spread, the two killers had left the state of Colorado and crossed into Wyoming, where they appeared in the town of Rawlins. The two brothers had parked their car in front of a hardware store and were walking to the door carrying an old rifle. We ain't far enough away, Obi. Wyoming's not near far enough. What are you scared of? What do you think? Shouldn't have wasted all that time going back to get a wire that wasn't there. Now don't give me no more headaches. I've got enough. Go on in. Okay. Gotta wait a while. Morning, fellas. Howdy. Can I get you something? Yeah, we. Uh... I'll tell them. We want some cartridges. This here rifle, three or four dozen. What caliber? It's a thirty-two forty, I think. You think? Yeah, we uh, just bought it. 
Orphan oil man out near Saratoga. Uh huh. What make rifle is that? Winchester. Let him see, Randall. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can get you something to fit it. This is an old timer. How do you like that homemade sight? <laughs> Couldn't have paid too much for this rifle. No, not too much. Well, can you fit it with cartridges, or do we have to go someplace else, huh? No, you don't have to go anyplace else. Yeah. Here's some of it. All right, the two of you. Get your hands in the air. Hey. Get them up. What's this all about? I'll tell you what it's all about. I'm a deputy sheriff of this county. What have we done? Just keep those hands up. Okay. I saw a report this morning of the killing over in Colorado. They found an old sheep herder murdered. This rifle answers the description of the one he owned. You two are going to spend a little time in the county jail till we find out for sure. Now, look, Just master. keep them up. Now, both of you march out that front door. Go on, march. Well, gangbusters listeners, that rifle was identified as the one taken from the murdered man. Obie and Randall Throneberry were charged with murder and taken from Wyoming to the Route County, Colorado Jail in the basement of the county courthouse at Steamboat Springs. A few weeks later, while they were waiting their trial, the two brothers were in their cell. Randall, on his cot, was reading a magazine as Obie walked over to him. Randall. What? Give me that magazine. I'm reading it, can't you see? You had it long enough. Give it here. Listen, I had enough of your bossing around. You see where it landed, don't you? I want that magazine. Why don't you go read the letter you didn't get from me? That's enough, Randall. Sure, we're in jail. They're going to try us for murder. She'd send us the money because we're in trouble. She didn't get my letter. She got it all right. She's nothing but a rotten little... Okay, no- Randall, you asked for it. Get your dirty hands off you me. You asked for it. Lay off Show you. Get away from me, Obi. Get away from me. Get away. Oh. Hello, Sheriff Parker. Matter. Can't you two get along? We get along all right. I want to be moved out of here, Sheriff. Put me someplace else. Well, we're all right, Sheriff. Just a little family argument. Now, listen, Obi. Everything be okay. Believe me, Sheriff. Okay, boys. Don't give me any more trouble. We won't, Sheriff. What's the idea, Obi? Now, listen. Whatever's between us, we can settle later. Just figured out how we can get out of here. Yeah? How? We start a big fight. The sheriff will come in to break it up. I'll grab him. You slug him. Yeah, but how we get outside? Two deputies have gone out on a call. I heard them leave. The sheriff's all by himself. All right? Yeah, guess so. Then let's go. Give me that magazine. Hey, up! Lay off, Moby. Lay off. Come on, give it here. Lay off, Moby. I'm going to kill you. He just tried. I'm going to loose. I'm going to loose. I'll show you. Let me loose. Okay. Break it up. Turn him loose. Jump him, Moby. Fight. What are you doing? Let go. Slug him. Slug him. Yeah. Against him. Yeah. He's out. Let's look for his car keys. Got a forty-five automatic. Good. And some money. Here's a roll of money. Yeah, and his car keys. Let's get a move on. Now, wait a minute. Come on, if we're going. Those deputies won't be back for a while. We lock him in. Lock it with the keys. I need to. Snap lock. 
Go on. He usually parks his car right out in the yard there. Okay. But listen, Obi. What? We ain't going to Texas. What's the matter with Texas? Because if you go to see me, we'll wind up right back here in the jailhouse. Texas is an awful big place. We'll settle it later. Let's get out of here first. Come on. To it. We got a fast car, we got good guns. We walk in and take their money, and then we head back towards Dallas. You ought to head out of Texas. I didn't want to come back to Texas in the first place. Well, we're here. You know, I begin to think something. What? You didn't drag me down this way to pull no job at all. You drug me down here so you could see May. Okay. I drug you down here so I could see May. What are you going to do about it? We're going to get this settled right now. You bet we are. Go on, get out. Obi, take that gun off. Get out. Look, I'm your brother. I could still spit on you. Get out, you yellow-livered little punk. Get out. Yeah. Well, listen, Obi. You wouldn't kill me. Wouldn't I? You need me. You need two to work the way we've been working. I'm sick. Sick of your yapping. Go on, walk. Yeah, but you need me, Obi. That's what you think. I'm going to the town of West. Jack Bush is just itching for the chance to join up with me. Now, walk. Listen, Obi. Walk. Straight into them woods. Obi, I... Shut up. You give me a chance, won't you? You wouldn't kill your own brother without a chance. Okay, you got a chance. Start running. Obi. Start running before I change my mind. Yeah, yeah. Yellow liver punk. Brothers, brothers, huh? Answer that, will you, May? Sure, Frank. Right away. Hello? May? Yeah. Who's this? It's Obi. Obi? Yeah, baby. Did you hear about me breaking out? Yeah, I heard. I got a surprise for you. I'm back in Texas. I'm right here in Waco. Yeah? Yeah. How about me coming over? No, you better not do that. I think the police are watching the place. Uh-oh. Well, uh, where can I meet you? Look, you know that chili parlor over in West? Yeah, I know it. Well, we'll make it there. How three o'clock? Okay, I'll be there. I missed you awful, baby. When you didn't answer my letter from the jail... Listen, Obi. Better not talk on the phone too long. Yeah, honey. Uh, three o'clock in West. Goodbye. Who was that on the phone, May? Nobody, Frank, honey. Just for me. Well, don't keep the phone tied up all day. I got important calls coming through. All right, honey, I won't. Look, look. Yes, yes. Ah, Sheriff's Department, Waco. Operator, Waco 471, please. And hurry. Sheriff's Department, Waco. Sheriff Casey speaking. Look. You want a tip? What kind of a tip? You ever hear of Obi Throneberry? You'll have to speak up louder, lady. I can't talk any louder. Obi Throneberry. They want him in Colorado for a killing. What about him? He's going to be in West, 3 o'clock at that chili parlor. Ellis's. Who is this talking? Never mind who. I did your favor. Ain't that enough? Well, that's that. 
Now back to Gangbusters. Sheriff Casey, I ain't seen you in the cafe for some time. Deputy Owen. How are you, Mr. Ellis? Mr. Ellis? Yeah, fine, fine. How about you two sitting down for a nice lunch? Nettie's cooked up some of her awful good chili today. Well, we don't have time today, Mr. Ellis. See, uh, we're looking for a fellow. He's supposed to come in here at 3 o'clock. Oh? We'd like to sit in the kitchen until he walks in. Why, sure, fellas. Is it anybody I know? No, I don't think so. This is a guy from out of the state. A guy named Obi Throneberry. Did you say Obi? That's right. There was a fellow in here a while ago. Huh? He asked could he use the phone to call Waco, and I said sure. I heard him say his name was Obi. That's so. He rushed out of here. He was mad as a Brahma bull. Uh, is this a picture of that man? Why, uh, yeah, Sheriff. That's him. He rushed out of here mad, huh? That's right. Said he had a date for later. He wanted to use the phone to call his girl to ask her to come earlier. I think he called her and got a man on the phone. How long ago? Oh, not 15 minutes back. Which way did he go, do you know? No, he didn't. Uh... Hey, his car was parked right out in front. What make was it? A uh, Pontiac, I think. Yeah, a maroon Pontiac with Oklahoma plates. Uh, thanks a lot, Mr. Ellis. Owen. Yes, Sheriff? Get the car started. I'll phone in a radio alarm, then we'll take out after. Sure thing. Don't look too good, Mart. You might have taken out the other way. Well, maybe one of the state highway patrol cars will spot him up the line. Maybe. But I'd sure like... Sure. Yeah, I see him. That's the car, all right. Yeah. Oklahoma plates and everything. I'll try to get up to him. That won't be hard. He's all alone. I'll give him the siren. Uh, why not hold it a few seconds, Sheriff? He still might be able to pull away from us. Yeah. Siren now. Picking it up. We'll stay right with him. Might be too fast for us. I'll keep on top of him. You try a shot. Try again. You got him. He's going in the ditch. Hold on. Come on. Watch him. He's got a gun. Yeah. Drop that gun there. It's dropped. Let's get him. Okay. Okay, I'm all shut up. Take it easy, or you'll be more shut up. Oh, it's just his hand, Sheriff. I tell you, I'm all shut up. I'm dying. You're not dying, Thornberry. Not yet. Come on now. Get out of the car. Yeah. All right. We got to get you in shape for that nice long trip you're going to take. That trip all the way back to Colorado. Now go on. Walk to the car. Didn't you hear the Sheriff? He said walk. Well, Gangbusters listeners, that was how the killer Obi Throneberry was apprehended. His brother Randall was arrested by FBI agents later on a farm where he'd gone to hide. Each of these murderers is now serving a term of 43 years imprisonment at the Colorado State Penitentiary in Canyon City. Well, thank you, Sheriff Homer Casey, for this case history. And Gangbusters, congratulations to all the law enforcement officers who participated in putting these notorious Throneberry brothers behind bars. 
Tonight's gangbusters case was dramatized by Stanley Niss and directed by William Sweet, with Ralph Bell and Art Carney in leading roles. Don Gardner speaking. Gangbusters is a Philip H. Lord production. I spun around. It was death with a long stick that whipped me across the face. Again and again, it crashed on my head, on my eyes, across my mouth. The strength leaked out of me, and I tripped headlong into a merry-go-round of huge black horses. Then I heard the door of the tomb slowly swinging shut. The New Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. Michael Shane, reckless, red-headed Irishman, is back again in his old haunts in New Orleans. This is your director, Bill Russo, inviting you to listen to another transcribed episode, which we call The Case of the Purloined Corpse. You're Mr. Shane, aren't you? The private detective? I guess you must have had that all figured out when you walked in here. Why the gun? He told me I'd need one. He told me with a man like you, it was the only way. Why, whatever gave him that idea? He said that was the only way I could persuade you to come with me. He must be quite a boy. Which head was he talking out of? I don't like your humor, Mr. Shane. I didn't come here to be entertained. Sure. Sure, shall we go? You mean you'll come with me? Just like that? Uh Uh-huh. Wherever you go, dollface. Only uh, I hate no. to be hurried. Don't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like a little thing like a gun to stand between us. Now we can be cozy. You're very quick, aren't you? Yeah, the girls call me Swifty. Now let's play all over again. Where are we going? Who's he? And what does he want? Josiah DeLacy. And he wants you. Josiah? De- you mean that mummy with $50 million? Mr. DeLacy and I are not that friendly. I only take care of him, not his bank balance. Hey, you can have your gun back. Josiah was right. You'll have to persuade me. Seems to me I remember hearing Josiah DeLacy hasn't got a dollar without a blood stain on it. He's in desperate trouble, Mr. Shane. Well, take a message back to him, dollface. Tell him I'll make my usual contribution to his home for homeless girls, and then tell him I dropped dead. You don't understand. He's a very lonely and unhappy man. He needs your help. That's why he sent me. Every morning, the population in New Orleans turns breathlessly to the obituary column, hoping to find Josiah DeLacy's name there. What makes you think I'm different? <laughs> because your reputation says you can be bought. Mr. DeLacy will double your asking price. Well, you convince good, Miss, uh... West. Catherine West. Katie, huh? If you want it like that. Well, maybe later, Katie. Every minute I waste now costs me double time. What's on your boss's mind? Mr. DeLacy's son, Ezekiel, has been missing since yesterday. Why doesn't Josiah go to the Bureau of Missing Persons? They work for free. Because Ezekiel is dead. Huh? Not only that, Mr. Shane. Ezekiel has been buried for a week. In a moment, we'll return to the new adventures of Michael Shane and the case of the purloined corpse. I was scraping time off my hands with a fingernail file when Katie West walked into my office. She was wearing an emerald green dress and a bright nickel revolver. On her, it looked like she'd just broken out of a sultan's dream. She told me Ezekiel DeLacy, son of Josiah DeLacy, had been kidnapped. But something silly had been added. Ezekiel had been dead for a week. And in the cab on our way to the DeLacy mansion on Royal Street, she didn't quit surprising me. 
Why are you looking at me like this? I got a feeling about you, Katie, and it doesn't quite gel. Where do you fit in? How'd you latch on to DeLacy? Oh, didn't I tell you? Mr. DeLacy hired me a week ago. He had an idea he needed a nurse. How old does a man have to be to stop getting ideas? Look, I'm no Florence Nightingale, Mr. Shane. I'm a common laborer just like you. I breathe better when I'm around $50 million. Yeah, I can inhale it from here. Uh, you can stop right here, driver. Here you are, son. Go buy yourself an annuity. The DeLacy mansion was one big shadow, not quite a mile wide. It could have housed an assembly line where they turned pixies into ghosts. We rode up to the solarium on one of those staircase elevators. The top floor, we faced a wall of transparent glass. Through it, I could see a dried-up, tiny little man with a head like an ivory mask. Only it was carved with so many lines and wrinkles, it could have been an ivory prune. His body was wrapped in a heavy, towel-like robe, and around his throat there were more towels. Through the glass roof and glass walls, a false light crashed in. The whole apartment was swimming in it. The figure of Josiah DeLacy sat in the middle like a grotesque plant swaying in an undersea world. Katie pushed a button, and the heavy glass door whished open, and I went in. Shh! Shut the door! Shut the door! What do you expect me to do, seep in through the glass? Shh! The slightest drop in temperature. The minute fraction of a drop lessens my life span by a year. Why don't you light up a furnace and live in that? I thrive on heat. It's my food and drink. Every particle of heat is like a fountain of youth to me. I soak it up. Soak it up. You're saying, aren't you? Yeah, Miss West said you needed me. I do. You disgust me, Mr. Shane. What? You might as well know that now, but I need your help. Well, let's everybody stop yelling help and tell me what this is all about. The body of my son Ezekiel was stolen from the family tomb in Cypress Grove Cemetery. You wouldn't understand what a desecration that is of our name, of our pride. And of your son. He must be returned. He must be. Well, now, don't shout, Joe. I haven't got him. Why would anyone want him anyhow? Was Ezekiel buried with a family loot? Fool. If that were so, would they send me this ransom note? Yeah, let's see it. $50,000. Bring the ransom money to the cemetery at 2.30 in the morning on... Well, it's this morning. Now, look, my advice is... No one asked for your advice. Here's $20,000. Take it to the tomb and pretend to leave. But you will watch and apprehend the criminals and bring them to me. Well, how do you know you can trust me with all this money? I don't. But if you should be so stupid as to run off with it, I assure you there's always room for one more in Cypress Grove Cemetery. I do believe you have a point there, Joe. Uh, just as a matter of curiosity, how old was your son? He was 70. And you outlived him. Maybe he didn't understand about this heat thing. Well, I'll see what I can do to bring him back. It's a matter of pride. Shh. Shh. Phew. Boy. How'd you make out? Oh, keen. Just keen. I wheedled $20,000 out of Joe. Cover charge for my date with a zombie at Cypress Grove Cemetery. $20,000? Oh, Mike, you'll be careful, won't you? I'll try to be, Katie. I'll try. In this business, you got other people's troubles. You can never tell whose side you're on when you get your trouble secondhand. At 1.30, I had enough of the all-night movies, so I walked over to Canal Street and hopped a streetcar marked Cemeteries. I went to the back of the car, took the packet of money DeLacy had given me, and removed a sizable portion of it. 
I marked the bills with a pencil and put them back in my coat pocket. Cypress Grove. Cypress Grove. I got off the car and entered the cemetery. Just to the right and back of the Chinese mausoleum, I found what I was looking for. The door to the tomb was open. I went in. The coffin stood gaping and empty and disappointed. I kneeled to put the ransom money on the marble floor and then I heard it. The sound of a cane or a thin club pushing through the air. I spun around. There was death with a long stick that whipped me full across the face. Again and again it crashed on my head, on my eyes, across my mouth. The strength leaked out of me and I tripped headlong into a merry-go-round of huge black horses. Then I heard the door of the tomb slowly swinging shut. Michael. Come on, try, Michael. Try. How'd you get here? I followed you. I frightened them away when they heard me coming. Did you see who they were? Oh, it was too dark. You're a doubt, sir. Yeah, the ransom's gone. All right, get me out of here before you really have to bury me. She was strong, that girl. Strong enough to get me up and out of there and back to my apartment. She kissed me goodnight with a smile and then she went away. It was a million years later when the noise got inside of me and kept growing and growing until I was one big noise all over. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some days it's very hard to tell. Very hard. And this is Miss Cleo Dauphine of the Josiah DeLacy Sanctuary for Homeless Girls. Can you come down here right away? You want a testimonial? I, I think homeless girls are the best because they're... It's a shame. This concerns murder. Murder and Ezekiel DeLacy. When I got to the Josiah DeLacy Sanctuary for Girls, I was amazed at the frivolity of the building. It was like a charming and graceful old French lady doing a discreet version of a can-can. From somewhere within the house, a music box was playing an old tune. I crossed a courtyard and entered the building. Sixty or seventy years ago, a ladylike girl had a dream of what her home would look like. This was it. Standing in the middle of the room was a distinguished-looking woman dressed in black and carrying a cane. Mr. Shane. I bow. I'm Cleo Dauphine. Synonymous, Cleo. Oh. Lovely place you have here. Well, thank you. We think so. It's so quiet. Are the guests at work or at play? Guests? Oh, would you care to meet them? Oh, if it's not too much trouble. Oh, not at all. Penelope? Penelope? Yes, Bill? Mr. Shane is here. He'd like to meet you. Oh, I do want to see that young man. Penelope, this is Michael Shane. Oh, how nice. How do you do, ma'am? Mr. Shane wanted to meet the inmates of the Josiah DeLacy Sanctuary for Girls. This is my sister Penelope, Mr. Shane. Uh, we are the girls. You mean, you mean just the two of you? Just the two of us. Oh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm not disappointed, Miss Dauphine. I couldn't be more delighted. Oh, you may leave now, Penelope. Must I, Cleo? Yes, Oh, you have all the fun. 
please come again, Mr. Shane. It's rare that we have gentlemen calling on us. Well, that's their misfortune. Oh, Cleo, he makes me feel all flattery, as if there were a little bird beating its wings against my heart. Really, Penelope. Goodbye, Mr. Shane. Bye. If I were 40 years older, I think I could feel the little bird, too. Many young gentlemen did. Uh, Mr. Fane, on the phone you said something about a murder in Ezekiel DeLacy. May we talk about that? Mr. Shane, Ezekiel DeLacy is not dead. Shall I go out and come back in again? The smell of all roses does something to my hearing. No, you heard me correctly. The body that was laid to rest in the DeLacy mausoleum was not Ezekiel's. Then whose was it? Would you care to see? Hmm? Please follow me. You'll find this most interesting. She led me upstairs and into a darkened chapel-like room. There was a pungent odor of incense. Huge Spanish candelabra stood in the four corners and cast a ghostly, wavering light over a body that lay on a raised platform. It was the body of a man who had accepted death much against his will. He didn't have to be a detective to see the reason why. Right in the middle of his forehead was a neat little hole. Neat, like in bullet. In a moment, we'll return to the new adventures of Michael Shane and the case of the purloined corpse. thing was just about as easy to hang on to as a handful of smoke. There was a girl in it named Katie who could light candles in your brain. There was also Josiah DeLacy, an old, old man who might have told me some big, big lies. His son, Ezekiel, had been dead for a week. I was hired to find out what made the body lively enough to disappear from Cypress Grove Cemetery. And then there was Miss Cleo Dauphine and her sister Penelope of the Josiah DeLacy Sanctuary for Homeless Girls. And scattered somewhere in between meeting all these gay people was a beating I took in Ezekiel's tomb. And finally, looking very unhappy about the whole thing, was a dead man with a bullet hole in his forehead. Mr. Shane, I insist that this is the man who was buried in Cypress Grove. And you also say he's not Ezekiel DeLacy? Precisely. Well, the way I heard it, Miss Cleo, is that Josiah buried his son and, and seems willing to part with a hunk of cash just to see that Ezekiel enjoys a cool and untroubled rest. I detest quibbling, Mr. Shane. I knew Ezekiel very well, as well as anybody did. Yeah. Well, now, now don't surprise me too much, Miss Cleo, but tell me gently. Is Ezekiel alive? I saw him at the funeral. Well, and who do you think this body belonged to when it was breathing? I'd be very glad to tell you, Mr. Shane. The murdered man you see lying there is... Here, Shane. Drink this. Where am I? You're at police headquarters, Shane, and the offer of this drink lasts five seconds. After that, it gets donated back to the police department, namely me. So good to me, Lefevre. You're not hurt, Shane. Just a scratch. Well, can't fool you, can we? Did you find the body? We found Cleo Dauphine. Yeah, I figured you would. Why else would you be an inspector? Only I'm talking about the murdered body. Cleo Dauphine was dead. 
Shot four times. No weapon in evidence. We may not be as smart as you, Shane, but we call that a murdered body. What do you call it? I'm talking about the one that was stolen from the tomb. Look, maybe you're hurt worse than I thought. The department don't expect us to know more in first aid. But my brother-in-law is a nifty psychiatrist. Oh, forget it. What about Penelope? Which Penelope? Cleo's sister. Wasn't she there? What were you doing down there anyway? What possible interest could you have in the DeLacy Sanctuary for Homeless Girls? Huh? Just social work. I feel everyone should do his bit. Well, you're a real cute Irishman, aren't you, Shane? Don't you want to keep your license nice and green? Could dry up and blow away if you keep breathing hot lies on it. Now, don't crowd me, Lafeeva. I... I got an idea I can hand this thing to you all prettied up with a ribbon around it. But try real hard, huh? If you don't, it'll break my heart. Maybe yours, too. When I got out of there, the fog had rolled in from the gulf, gathered up some fresh water missed out of Lake Pontchartrain, then clumped down Market Street as heavy and definite as an elephant's foot. All of which made it a lovely evening for a walk. Now, maybe walking had helped me add up a few answers I'd missed. But then one answer drove up in a pretty blue convertible. Mike? Hey, Mike. Well, a bright ray of sunshine in an otherwise drab day. Get in, Mike. Sure. Honest Joe DeLacy fix you up with this hot rod? Mike, what's happened to you? You just vanished. I've been looking every place for you. Glad you were, Dal child. I want to check a few things with you. Now, look, when you came to my office, you told me Ezekiel DeLacy had been dead for a week. You sure of that? Of course I'm sure. Ezekiel DeLacy died a day before his father hired me as a private nurse. But you don't really know if he was dead or not. I saw Ezekiel buried, Mike. I attended the funeral with his father, Josiah. Well, how many other people saw him? Mr. DeLacy and I were the only ones at the funeral. You know how much people hate that family. Well, then you never saw Ezekiel except as a corpse. Well, no, how could I? Uh, don't let it worry you, Katie. But I do worry, Mike. Oh. I do. About you, Mike. Katie, you're talking about the man I love. Hey, uh, why are we stopping? <laughs> We're out of gas. Come here. What can I do? <sighs> Katie, you wouldn't want me to walk home, would you? After a while, after the fog went back to where it came from, Katie drove me to my apartment. I gave her back the same kind of look she gave me, whatever kind that was, bitter or fond and painful farewell. Walking down the hall to my room, I couldn't quite make out whether the afterimage of her perfume still stuck with me or whether one of the other tenants was going on a binge of old roses. It didn't really start worrying me until I saw a light slanting through the bottom of the door. Oh, Mr. Sheen. Miss Penelope, how'd you get in here? Just like they do in the movies, Mr. Shane. I told the clerk I was your sister. It seems to work every time. Oh, I'm delighted. Oh, this is so exciting. Cleo will be furious when she finds out I've been talking to you alone. Cleo, but... But I'm sure there are some things you'd like to know. Uh, just ask me. Yeah. Tell me about yourself, Miss Penelope, and about your sister, Miss Cleo. Oh, there's nothing to tell about me. But Cleo now... Her story is so exciting and romantic and sad, like a novel. Well, tell me about it. 
Promise you won't tell Cleo? I promise. Well, 50 years ago, Cleo was hired by Josiah de Lacey as a nurse companion. Then one day, he found her in the garden with his son, Ezekiel. Oh, there, I've said it. I blush. Yes. Josiah found her in the garden with his son, Ezekiel, alone. You see, it was Josiah and Cleo who were in love. Well, what did Josiah do? As punishment, he built the home and called it a sanctuary for homeless girls. And he forced Cleo and me to live there. Uh, Did you know Josiah? Oh, yes. I often visited him and Cleo. How long has it been since you've seen him? I haven't set eyes on him from the day he put us in the house until... Until the funeral. Until the funeral. We found the hiding place and we watched. Oh, Mr. Shane, what have you made me say? Oh, Cleo will be very angry when she finds out what I've told you. She won't find out, Miss Penelope. I'd better be leaving now, Mr. Shane. I don't want Cleo to find me alone with a gentleman in his room. But it was courtly of you to understand. And, Mr. Shane... Yes? Do be careful. I'm afraid for you, Mr. Shane. There was only one place left to go after that, so I went. Katie answered my knock and let me in. She looked swooningly at me, but I wasn't in the mood. I told her to wait for me outside in the car. As I approached the glass wall of the solarium, I could see Josiah sitting there exactly as he'd sat the first time I saw him. I took a last gasp of air, opened the door. Josiah screamed. You blundering, stupid idiot! Get out of here! I'm taking a poll, Mr. DeLacy. Where do you think your son Ezekiel is? I hired you to find out. But I failed. I failed miserably. Exactly. Now get out of here. I couldn't live with myself without knowing. (laughs) Poison is always a good way out, Shane. Or you could jump right from here. I could enjoy that. And your homeless girl, Cleo Dauphine, she's been murdered. Did you know that? Serves her right. She always liked to meddle. Yeah, and whoever killed her tried to murder me. That's twice on the same case. I'm Irish and superstitious and scared. The third time might take. Now, where is your son Ezekiel, Mr. DeLacy? What makes you think I know? That... Gun you just took out of your pocket helps me know. Could be the same one that killed Cleo before she could tell me whose body was in her house. It is the same gun, Shane. Well, who'd you get to pull the trigger for you, your nurse? I told you, heat gives me strength. It's quite warm in here now. Yeah, even I can feel it. I loathe your glib tongue. I loathe everything about you. Now, don't exert yourself, Pappy. Believe me, it will take no exertion to kill you. You want to know where Ezekiel is? I'll tell you. No, I'll tell you. You're Ezekiel, aren't you? You killed your old man. (laughs) And it was Cleo who sent you that ransom note. Yes, Cleo or Penelope. They were the only ones who could have possibly known that it was my father who was buried, and not I. Only you figured that out too late, after you hired me. So you shot Cleo while I was talking to her. I'll outlive all of you. Oh, 1,000 wouldn't even get you one on that, Zeke. Yes. Yes, I killed Cleo. And now... I'll kill you, Shane. Now, take it easy. This won't look good on your record. Take it! In a moment, we'll be back with a thrilling climax to tonight's Michael Shane adventure. Bullets that pierced the glass punched two holes in the old man's body. They did another thing. They set up a vibration that collapsed the wall of the solarium. And standing outside with a very gentle smile and a very harsh revolver was Penelope Dauphine. 
I got her out of there fast, down to Katie's car. When I told Katie what had happened, she sat there and stared, her vision of 50 million bucks ripped apart by all those jagged edges. Are you sure Ezekiel's dead, Mike? Yeah, I'm sure, Darth. He's quite dead. I followed you here. I told you it would be better if you had someone to take care of you. Ah, the hot blood of youth, Miss Penelope. I apologize. And I'm glad you found out that he was really Ezekiel. I was listening. I couldn't have told you that, Mr. Shane. I gave Cleo my word of honor. I wouldn't tell anybody that. Then maybe you wouldn't mind telling me why Ezekiel killed his father. Because he hated him. He thought Josiah would never die. Ezekiel wanted his inheritance. He was getting very impatient, I imagine, and... You know what? What? I wrote the ransom note. Oh, it was so exciting. Cleo doesn't know about that. But I didn't want the money. I only did it to hurt Ezekiel. You don't look the type, Miss Penelope. Oh, Cleo was still in love with Josiah. That's why we brought his body to our nice house, and I put him in our own vault. That's why those policemen couldn't find him. Maybe we better tell them now. Yes, if you say so. And now I'd like to go home, Mr. Shane. Sure, wherever you say. But why does Miss West look so unhappy? She can get another job. Yeah, she probably will. Uh, don't take it so hard, Katie. I can't believe it. All that money just waiting to be plucked. I thought this would be the one time... Why, whatever is she talking about? Well, this nurse companion racket might pay off another time, Dollface. Do I hear an offer? Now, how about dinner at uh, Galatoire's private dining hall, huh? Uh, that is, if you lend me 20 bucks, your late boss forgot to pay me. Oh, I'd be glad to lend it to you, Mr. Shane. I guess it can be arranged. <laughs> Here you are, Mike. Thanks. Now, let's turn on the dash light for a second. Oh, Katie, you foolish girl. What's the matter? Yes, is something wrong, Mr. Shane? Never try to pass a mark, Bill, Katie, especially to the fellow who marked it. You marked it? Mm-hmm. Right before you tried to blame me in the cemetery. Uh, now you'll have to have dinner at police headquarters with no marguerite sauce. Why, you dirty double And after all the trouble I had getting reservations at Galatoire's, uh, will you join me, Miss Penelope? Of all the low-down, contemptible... Why, I'd be delighted, Mr. Shane. This is your director, Bill Russo, again. Our story is based on characters created by Brett Halliday. The New Adventures of Michael Shane is a Don W. Sharp production, transcribed in Hollywood and distributed exclusively by the Broadcasters Guild. <laughs> Case closed for this week. Hope you enjoyed our hour this time. You can find more from Gangbusters, Michael Shane, Case Closed, and thousands of other old-time radio episodes at the website relicradio.com. You'll find our shoutcast stream there, and you can donate, help support this and all of the shows through the website, or visit donate.relicradio.com. Your support is how all of this happens. My thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. <laughs>